0: At the beginning of Psalm 32, which is a psalm written by David, uh, we read these words. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. And then David, who probably was reflecting on his own life and how he had strayed from God at one point in his life, Uh, ends this same psalm, Psalm 32, with these words. He says, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. So not only are we encouraged to be honest before the Lord, but we're encouraged to be obedient and live as forgiven people. And then we're to come into his presence with all that we are, singing and shouting uh, for joy to the Lord, rejoicing in him because he's worthy of our praise. Let's bow in a moment of prayer, shall we? Gracious God, fill our hearts uh, with such true appreciation today for your grace that is evidenced so often every day in our life, that we may avoid all tendencies that we have towards self-righteousness And join in the joy-filled life that you call us to. Let our praise fill our lips this day. And may it be an acceptable offering of worship to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are in, I think it's the seventh week of this teaching series that we've been doing called Living in Hope. And we're going to be focusing this morning on um, what do we do when our world collapses? How do we keep our faith strong and live in hope when times get tough? You know, the Apostle Paul in our lesson today is communicating with believers in Thessalonica because of his deep, deep love for them. And he's encouraging them to stand firm in a time when they were being persecuted. He's also encouraging them to stand firm against the tempter. And he reminds them that Jesus, the Good Shepherd, walks with them through all of these times in their lives, in the time of darkness that they're experiencing. And for me, one of the modern takeaways in this whole series, and this message particularly today, is that in the world in which we live, we see a lot of the me generation trying to find itself in self-fulfillment. But the truth is that lasting fulfillment comes through relating to the needs and the growth of others. And we find our well-being when we make our connection with other people. And so um, we'll get to all that and Paul's teaching and more this morning in just a few moments. But again, let's pray together, shall we? God, receive the prayers of your people today. We come humbly before you, recognizing that we live in frightening times when the news brings us stories of terrorism and pain and suffering and brokenness across this world. Surely violence and anger seems to be the way we too often choose to treat others and to respond to difficulty. So be with us, merciful God. We don't want to live in these ways. We seek your peace and your healing love. Our hearts are filled with concern for our families, for our friends, as well as those around us who are facing times of great difficulty or illness or even Uh, death of loved ones. Every week we share the names of those for whom we seek prayers, knowing that you hear our cries, you respond in love, and yet in the midst of the darkness of this world, your light of joy uh, can abound within each of us as we share these moments of worship together. We're grateful for that. God, hear our prayers today for all those who are searching for meaning, for purpose in their life. Hear our prayer for those we love but can't seem to find any way to connect with, who have rejected family and friends and faith and everything we hold dear. Help us to trust you, to be faithful in prayer, and to leave those we love in your great hands. And we ask this all today through Christ our Lord. Amen. So what do you do when your world caves in how does a follower of jesus respond when hard times come into our life how do we keep our faith strong and live in hope when times are tough all of us face those questions because we all eventually go through some deep trials in this life and when tough times happen Everything that we believe will be put on the firing line. Our faith will be tested. Many years ago, I learned an important truth, and it goes like this. When hard times come, be a student, not a victim. It's a simple sentence with a profound thought. Be a student, not a victim. See, some people go through life as professional victims always talking about how they've been mistreated. But perpetual victimhood dooms us to a life of self-centered um, misery because we're not introspective enough to learn from our trials. What a difference it makes to be a student and not a victim. A victim says, what, why does this happen to me? A student says, what can I learn from this? A victim blames other people for their problems. A student asks, How much of this did I bring on myself? A victim looks at everyone else and cries out, life isn't fair. And a student looks at life and says, what happened to me could have happened to almost anyone. A victim believes that their hard times have come because God's trying to punish them. A student understands that God allows hard times in our life in order to help us grow. A victim would rather complain than find a solution. A student has little time to complain because they're always busy making the best of their situation. A victim feels sorry for themselves. They have no time for others. A student focuses on helping others so that they have no time to feel sorry for themselves. A A victim begs God to remove the problems from their life so that they can be happy. A student has learned through the problems of life that God alone is the source of all true happiness. See, and that's the position of a Christ follower. We believe so much in the sovereignty of God that when tough times come, we know that God is at work for our good and his glory. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 this morning, the first eight verses, the Apostle Paul writes to these new believers who suddenly find themselves... um, In great difficulty, they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And our text today shows how Paul reassures them. So let me share with you six truths about hard times from the wisdom of St. Paul. And the first truth is that our trials are unsettling. Look at verses 1 through 3. Finally, When we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you're going through. Now note two key words in that last phrase. Paul talks about being shaken by our troubles shaken by circumstances so that we fall away from the right path in life. And then the word trouble comes from a Greek word that has the idea of being put under the thumb because of pressure from an outside source. Many of you know from experience the unrelenting pressure from difficult circumstances, the kind that keeps you awake at night, the kind that saps your strength even during the day. Troubles come to all of us in one form or another. As I survey the New Testament teaching regarding trials or troubles, two truths stand out. One, trials are common to every Christian. No one is exempt. No one gets a trouble-free ride through this life. And secondly, our particular trial doesn't matter as much as how we respond to it. Now that's a revolutionary thought for some people. Often we focus intently on the details of the difficulties as if the difficulty itself were the most important thing in the world. It may seem so at the time, but it's not really true. God is much more concerned on how we respond than the trial itself. Why? Because most of the time, we don't have a choice about the bad things that happen to us in life. Usually they just happen without rhyme or reason, but we can control how we respond in faith or unbelief, in humility or arrogance, in forgiveness or anger, in hope or in despair. Our trials often come with very little warning. Life can be going smoothly for us on Thursday. And the following Tuesday, we might be diagnosed with a form of cancer where the prognosis is grim. But you know, that's how life is sometimes. One day is good. A few days later, we may be fighting for our life. James 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, reminds us to count it all joy when we encounter various trials. But that's not possible if we're focused on the trial itself. However, if we shift that focus to God, then we can find something good even in life's worst moments. Now, here's the second truth about hard times our trials are appointed. Our trials are appointed. Look at the end of verse 3. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Now, the phrase here, we are destined, comes from a verb that means to put or to place. It's Paul's very strong way of saying these hard times were placed here by God. They didn't just happen by accident. In fact, this is just the opposite of chance or circumstance. Someone has said, for the child of God, there are no accidents, there are only incidents. That may be the best one-sentence summary of Romans 8.28 I've ever heard. No accidents. Incidents? Yes. Troubles? Yes. Heartache? Yes. Yes. Difficulties? Yes. Disappointment? Yes. Loss? Yes. Failure? Yes. Accidents? No. There are no accidents with God, only incidents that are appointed by him for our good and his glory. Author Tony Evans uh, is of the opinion that everything that happens in this world is either caused by God or allowed by God. And maybe that's a better word than appointed for some of us, allowed by God. And Tony says there there is no third category. Nothing ever just happens. Nothing is caused by someone or something that's outside of God's understanding and God's knowledge. That means there's no such thing as chance or fate or luck. So with that important understanding, we move then to the third great truth regarding hard times and that is that our trials are necessary. Verse 4, even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. Now, some people may regard this as a negative, but let's look at it as a positive. I personally have much more confidence in someone who expects trouble and prepares for it than in someone who goes through life singing, hey, everything is always going to be roses. The truth is, every rose has its thorns, and sooner we understand that, the better we'll be. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Paul spells out how this process works, and he says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help to en- develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. We all want hope, don't we? But we don't want problems. But if we want hope to flood our heart, it starts with problems that lead to endurance, that produces proven character, that results in the Holy Spirit filling us with hope. I ran across a story about a man who announced that he had cancer, and he announced it on a Facebook post. But then he went on to give his testimony and he said in the past few days my spirits have soared and sank as I pursue the Lord's will and consider what the future might look like. But never once have I doubted this, that Jesus is Lord, that his blood has paid my ransom and by his wounds I am healed. I have firm faith that my soul is saved by the grace and mercy of God and not by any accomplishment or merit of my own. I am so thankful that I am a child of the Father, redeemed by the Son and sealed in the Spirit. No, in the midst of the storm, I do not have to worry about my salvation, and for that I praise you, God. That's the sort of faith that Paul's talking about in Romans 5. But here's the point. We need to remember that trials that we go through in life can be awful. There's no doubt about it, but they are not entirely negative. They may be, in fact, a sign that we're in the will of God. When trouble comes, Christians often react by doing what? By doubting God, by doubting God's goodness, or that we're where God wants us to be in life, and often we think that we've done something wrong and God is displeased with us, Even some mature Christians react this way as evidenced by Paul's words of reassurance to Timothy many years later when he said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And yet storms often come to believers to make us able to stand firm rather than blow us away. And that's the fourth truth we need to remember when hard times come. Our trials are dangerous. Verse five, that is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Paul reminds us that Satan is the one who tempts us to fall away from God during times of trouble. Paul knew that was a possibility, which is why he was so worried about these young Thessalonian believers. How does the devil tempt us in hard times? I can think of three very obvious answers. First, he tempts us to doubt God's goodness. He whispers in our ear that God has forgotten us. He doesn't care about us. He isn't, he's not a good God. But secondly, Satan tempts us to retaliate against others with, by, with anger and with resentment. And that's one of his favorite tools when difficult times involve problems with family and friends. And then third, he tempts us to give in to despair and discouragement. Maybe we're sick and we feel as if we're never going to get better again. Or perhaps we've just gone through a divorce and we're feeling rejected and alone. Maybe we've lost a job and we don't feel like we're qualified to do anything. See, all of these things lead us to ultimate act of desperation when we give up on our faith in God. And that's what Paul feared for these Thessalonians. He worried that under pressure these new Christians would crumble and give up on God. Hard times do eventually wear us down. Little by little, we lose the joy we once had. Under pressure, we begin to give in to bad habits and wrong attitudes, and then we begin to take that long slide in the wrong direction. One woman shared uh, this very sad story. She was raised as a Christian and at one time had a strong faith in Jesus Christ. But during a period of loneliness, she fell in with a bad crowd and began to dabble in sin, A little here and a little there, and eventually she began to experiment with drugs. And her addiction led her to terrible extremes in order to finance her drug habit. But when she was high, she began to talk about God. And in her pastor's office one day, she expressed her desire to be free from all of this. But the pain of coming off heroin was so great that she could not face it. At one point, her pastor told her that if if she didn't make the decision to come clean, it wouldn't be long before he was speaking at her funeral. And then he challenged her to turn over her life to Jesus Christ and become a woman of truth because the Bible says that it is the truth that will set us free. And her pastor's parting words to her were the words of Jesus, go and sin no more. She smiled, she thanked him, and said that she needed to go home and get some more heroin because she wasn't going to make it through the day. And then she walked out of his office. And her story demonstrates that simply having Bible knowledge can't save us from the consequences of bad decisions. What happened to her can happen to any of us if we respond to difficulties in the wrong way. It would be easy to condemn her and say, that would never happen to me. But we're all vulnerable to Satan's attacks. And most of us know someone who has been down a similar path. And here's the fifth truth we need to remember when hard times come. Troubles can be productive. Look at verse six. But now Timothy has just returned bringing us good news about your faith and love. And he reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. And here Paul is plainly saying that we can overcome our trials by faith but what kind of faith does he have in mind faith in God's character that God is good that God doesn't make mistakes faith in God's word that the Bible is true no matter what happens to us faith in God's purpose that God is conforming us to the image of his son Jesus faith in God's promise that he will never leave us or forsake us faith in God's presence that he is with us even in the darkest moments of our life, and faith in God's power that God can deliver us from every temptation. But I think there's one other kind of faith that will help us in the tough times, and that is the shared faith of God's people. So many of us struggle because we try to handle our problems all on our own. God never intended that we would walk the valley through this dark valley at lonely times all by ourselves, I want to share with you a note from someone who found her way back to God after a long time in the wilderness, and maybe a bit of her story might help you or someone you know. And she writes, whenever I tell others about my rough road back to Christ from non-Christian relationships, the one question that I'm often asked is this, what would have helped you make my road back a lot easier? And my answer is that during my spiritual loneliness, if I had just had a friend in Christ seek me out and tell me I've been there, I love you, and I can help you find your way back to Jesus. Perhaps I would have been spared a lot of pain, a lot more pain than having to discover the answers on my own. And then she adds this P.S. Jesus is never tolerant of sin, but always willing to forgive it. And if my experience can help someone else, feel free to share my information. I find her words encouraging because it reminds us again that we grow stronger as we lean on each other. So if you're having a hard time keeping your head above water today, tell someone else, don't fight the battle alone. Let the Lord minister to you through the resources of the body of Christ. Here's the sixth and final truth about hard times. We never, ever suffer alone. Verses seven and eight reveal another way in which our trials are productive. Paul says, so we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith and it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. See, our friends are watching watching to see how we respond to the tough times, to the tragedies in our life. They want to know if what we say as a Christ follower is real when the tough times come. People watch what we go through, and many many of them are unbelievers who really want to know if God is real. They don't know, they aren't sure, maybe they've read the Bible, maybe they haven't, but they're watching how we respond to things like mistreatment or malicious accusations or sickness or loss of a job or the end of a marriage or the career setback or a financial collapse from the shadows they watch us as we suffer to see if what we have inside of us is real or not. The Apostle Paul himself drew strength from the courage of these new believers and although he had come to minister to them by standing uh, minister to them by standing firm in the tough times they were ministering to him. Paul says I can face my own trials because I see how well you're facing yours. Maybe some of you are here today and you're going through a difficult time right now. I wish it were not so but I know it's true. In a congregation of this size I regularly hear about things like um, you know a prodigal child, an aging parent's uh, worries about the future, divorce, breast cancer, an infant with a serious medical condition, children far from God, Christians dealing with doubt, others with fear or dealing with lingering bitterness and and hundreds of other issues. But as I thought about this whole subject, I decided that even if I had the power, which I don't, but even if I had the power, it probably wouldn't be the right thing for me to take away your pain or make the hard times disappear altogether. God uses the tough times as part of his plan to make us more like Jesus. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. If I were to take away the pain, I might move too soon and block God's, word in your life, or God's work in your life because I see things from a human perspective I might actually hurt instead of help, even though my motives would be good. In the Old Testament book of Job, chapter 23, it says, but he knows where I'm going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Now, we can have an easy life, or we can have a deep faith, but we usually can't have both. There is no gold without the fiery furnace. Our hard times are designed to bring us closer to the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 30, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Spiritual growth is about enduring our trials with grace and with courage, knowing that in the end, the clouds will part and the sun will shine again. God will make a way. We have a great God who loves us more than we can imagine. And so I invite you to look today to Jesus in order to have the strength that you need to get through whatever it is that you are facing today. Pray with me. God, you remind us over and over again in your word that you are always with us. You tell us not to fear and to draw close to your presence. You're the only place we find refuge in the storms that surround us in this life. You're the only place we can find peace and strength. So we ask you for your words of truth and power to strengthen us in our inner being as we give our life and our hearts to you today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you know us so well. And thank you that you have a plan for each of us. And we look to you today as our Lord and our Savior. And it is your face that we seek. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.